Welcome to the Deep Bible Studies podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I'm your host, Claudia Rivera Guevara, and today we will be going through John 4, 16-42. So a little recap from last week, John 4, 1-15. Uh, Jesus meets with the Samaritan woman, and they're talking, and she's seeking for physical water, but Jesus offers her spiritual transformation as living water. Or watch the two podcasts from last week, and so you can get ahead, and we can start with this one. John 4, 16-42. And so, let's get started. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where the people ought to worship. In regards to what the woman stated, Deuteronomy 12, 5-7 says, But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes, to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contributions that you present your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and your firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice, you and your household, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. So we're going into the history lesson here again because we're talking about context. And so just like last week and honestly, probably every week, but this is good. We have to truly understand context if we want to get the most out of what we're studying. So here is what John MacArthur says. Both Jews and Samaritans recognized that God had commanded their forefathers to identify a special place of worshiping him. The Jews, recognizing the entire Hebrew canon, chose Jerusalem. Yet the Samaritans, recognizing only the Pentateuch, noted that the first place Abraham built an altar to God was Shemek, which was overlooked by Mount Gerizim, where the Israelites had shouted the blessing promised by God before their entire promised land. Genesis 12, 6-7 says, Abraham passed through the land at the place of Shemek to the Oak of Moreh at the time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. As a result, they chose Mount Gerizim for the place of their temple. Again, I mean, I love it because we get to see how even though the Bible was written in the course of 2,000 years by many different authors, it is one unison story. How sovereign is God, honestly? So moving on. In verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So there was no point in the locations, for both would come to pass. For example, the temple of Jerusalem was completely destroyed. So these places would not have much importance to the people who worship the true God, because true worship is not a ceremonial formula, but a spiritual exercise that comes from being transparent and sincere. What matters is the disposition of the mind and the heart. Verse 22 then says, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. So the Samaritans really did not know their God at all, for they had no truth nor revelation of him. How could they worship without truth? 
Then Jesus said, But the hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking to a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? The disciples were surprised that Jesus broke a well-known social norm with this extensive conversation with the Samaritan woman. Since the Jews considered it improper for a teacher to speak to a woman in public, let alone a Samaritan woman. However, probably feeling it was correct and appropriate, they did not question Jesus on this. And we talked about that more. And we talked about this on our John 4, 1 through 15 podcast, the first one. Yet how amazing is it that Jesus was in control of the entire situation? I mean, the disciples came back at the perfect time. They did not disrupt the conversation between the Samaritan woman and Jesus, but they heard him claim that he was the Messiah. Verse 28 and says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The woman is completely shocked, for the Samaritans also anticipated the Messiah's coming. She left so impressed by her time with Jesus and so confident that she would return to him that she left her water jar and also felt the need to tell people in her town that they should go to the well and meet Jesus. Jesus brought her in despite the fact that he confronted her with her sin. That's why she says, he told me everything I ever did. Verse 30 says, they went out to the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Just as Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman could not understand that Jesus meant with being born again and living water, what that truly meant, the disciples thought it was literal food. But Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. So in this, crops would be planted during the month of November. And by January, there would be a sprouting of grain. Pastor John MacArthur explains, Jesus used the fact that they were surrounded by crops growing in the field and waiting to be harvested as an object to illustrate his urgency about reaching the lost, whom the quote-unquote harvest symbolized. Jesus points out the Samaritan woman and the people of Sychar who were at the moment coming upon the scene looking like a ripened harvest that urgently needed gathering. Jesus knows all hearts and is able to see them when the message of the gospel produces true repentance and belief, therefore true salvation. For as Ephesians 2 says, just as the Samaritans, you were dead in the trespasses of your sins, in which you once walked in, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, 
like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in the trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of your works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The next verse says, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So Jesus encourages the disciples here in their work with him at least three ways. Your work in the harvest will be rewarded. The fruit of your work will last forever and every worker will harvest and will enjoy your work together. The disciples could not reap a harvest immediately. They reaped from some seeds that they did not sow since it was John the Baptist and Jesus who were sowing the seeds. Many times this is what happens in, with God's work. One is the one who sows and the other is the one who reaps. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8, which I love that passage because Paul is talking about how Apollo was either planting the seeds or watering the seeds and Paul was either watering the seeds or planting the seeds and yet it wasn't them who made them grow, it was God. And it reminds me of the passage in Mark 4, which you all should read. Um, it's so beautiful. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed with them for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. At the time, the Samaritans did not know enough to trust Jesus and his work on the cross but they could certainly believe in him as the Messiah. They believed by the word of the woman. On the other hand, Jesus stayed in Samaria, which was remarkable. They considered Samaria and the Samaritans as a place of people to be avoided as much as possible. And if it was necessary to cross Samaria, it would be as quickly as possible. And yet Jesus stayed with them for two days. Jesus had already been identified as the Messiah. They trusted him in the days that Jesus spent with the Samaritans. He taught them and many more believed. How wonderful, you guys. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram at Deep Bible Studies and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.